0: So, uh, this letter is something that Jackson submitted. He attached it to a sentencing memorandum filed in federal court on December 11th, six months after he pled guilty to a felony count of receiving child sex abuse material. In the memorandum, the priest asks that he be sentenced to five years incarceration, followed by supervised release. Uh, Of note, Father James Jackson is 68 years old. He stands to receive a penalty of 20 years in prison. He's likely to be sentenced to five in light of a uh, concurring recommendation from federal prosecutors. In other words, when both sides ask the judge for the same uh, uh, punishment, he's more likely to give exactly that punishment. Um, what remains to be seen, however, is whether or not the state of Kansas will subsequently prosecute Father James Jackson and whether or not this sordid affair will go on and on and on. For some of you who don't know, when Father Jackson was released from custody in Providence, Rhode Island, he took up, um, residence with his sister, uh... In the outside of the Kansas City, Missouri area on the Kansas side in somewhere in Overland Park or Lenexa or one of those really fancy cities in uh, upscale part of Kansas. During his time there, he was re-arrested. This would have been last summer. I was the first to report it to you uh, on the Restoring the Faith Media YouTube channel. And he was arrested for the same thing. And we have not seen the state of Kansas charge him with anything yet. Um, and some experts who have looked at this have said that it is very common for the state task force in Kansas to sort of let things play out in Rhode Island and see if they can't get a conviction there before they move forward. Um, generally speaking, um, he, he didn't do a global plea deal, to my knowledge. In other words, he didn't plead guilty in Kansas as well. And he doesn't have any leniency or any uh, points with anybody in Kansas. So I suspect, and this is something, I'm not sure that the pillar got this part right, but I suspect that there will be a second trial and a second guilty plea and a second round of sentencing in the state of kansas for father james jackson we are not going to hear the end of this in other words anytime soon his sentencing is supposed to occur any day now and uh i sort of agree with the analysis from the pillar that his sentencing will probably only be five years let me pause there for a second Knowing nothing else of what I've just told you, besides knowing the fact that this is a priest, a traditional Latin mass priest, who has admitted to having an addiction to child pornography, what would a just society do to this man? W- in justice and in mercy. What would a just society do to this man? Well, it's, it would be to millstone him. I'm not going to play the millstone song, It's Too Happy, It's Too Upbeat. This is very serious. This is deadly serious. It would be better for this man to be cast into the ocean with a millstone around his neck. And he knows that. And I know that. And you know that. So don't be deceived. I have already heard from members of his former parish in Colorado Springs. Overnight, I've received a flood of encouragement and notes. One mother of small children tells me that there are even still to this day parishioners in Colorado Springs at Our Lady of Mount Carmel Parish who insists on the innocence of this man. There are even still parishioners at that parish who believe that his YouTube videos should not have been taken offline because they are so useful in teaching the faith to their families and their children. There are even still members of the community there who refuse to accept the reality and go so far as to say that he is a victim soul who is taking on the crime of another person to purify his own soul, and to ensure his spot in heaven, like he's some saint who is suffering for all of us. Ladies and gentlemen, he is not that man. He is not a victim soul who is taking on the sins of someone else in order to sanctify his own soul and pray for us. Father James Jackson has deceived so many, for so long, and it really is astonishing. I received a voice note from a very, very famous priest who has known him for decades and said, I, I have no idea how he pulled this off. There were never any signs. I guess the only thing we can do now is pray for the guy. What was my involvement? Well, look, I never met Jackson. I've never spoken to him. I've never written a letter to him. I've never had any communication with him. We don't know each other. But I was recruited. I was recruited for this mission of defending Father Jackson because I was told by people who knew him that there's no way he could be guilty. Steve Cunningham of census fidelium would be one of those guys. Convinced me, hey, he was my priest for five years. He would never do this. Trust me. There are thousands of people who would would believe this, that he was innocent. There are tons of people that are going to come to his aid. Let's do this. Friends in Idaho. Friends in Florida. Friends in Baltimore. Friends in Maine. Friends in Texas, friends in Oklahoma, all who say, I know him, I've gone camping with him, I've gone hiking with him, I've done uh, pilgrimages with him, he's been inside my house, he's interacted with my children, never a suspicion. For their part, the uh, smear mongers, liars, thugs, and perjurers over in Ferndale, fabulous Ferndale, they dug, and they dug, and they dug and they never produced a witness, never produced a victim. What was so interesting about the Father Jackson case as well is that uh, very rarely does someone with the inclination for, towards pedophilia, very rarely do, does he restrict his activities merely to online viewing. Usually, over time the uh, thrill, whatever thrill you could get from that, uh, diminishes. It's the law of diminishing returns. It's in economics. And so the person will ultimately move towards acting out uh, what he sees in in the imagery or in the videos uh, in real life. In other words, very rarely is someone just looking at the images without actively trying to molest a child and so for the last two years no child has been found no victim has come forward it's a very public scandal it's a very public trial everybody knows that father jackson has been arrested for this vile crime it hit all the uh, catholic publications and it hit regional and publications as well The stuff that he was looking at was vile, disgusting, beyond description, and indefensible. I think there's no question about that. But the question that remains is how he was able to um, elude so many people. I mean, this man was, by all who knew him well, and I mean those people who were close to him, he was a technological luddite, so supposedly incapable of operating the dark web. Supposedly, I mean, he didn't even have a smartphone. He had a dumb phone. Uh, he used one laptop, apparently that was uh, his personal laptop. And as it turns out, he had the capability to auto-transfer these smut files even remotely even when he wasn't there even when he was out of town even when he was hearing confessions and people didn't want to believe that he was capable of these things and I'll tell you I I didn't want to believe that he was capable of these things I really didn't although to be fair from the beginning Many of you know this. I reposted the video of this recently uh, so that everyone can see. From the beginning, I said, look, I don't know Father Jackson. He may be guilty. And we all need to prepare ourselves for the fact that he may be guilty. We may not know Father Jackson the way we think we did. I put that out uh, on fundraising day zero. But nevertheless, I thought that the whole thing stunk, stunk to high heaven because there were so many people who attested to this man's character, faultless character, so many people standing by saying, I've known him, I've served with him, I've dug trenches with him, I have uh, I've never, ever, ever known anything like this. There were fraternity priests who reached out to me and told me that it was impossible that he was guilty impossible these would be the same priests who would ultimately offer up hey yeah why don't you why don't you come here why don't you interview people to prove his innocence Uh, interview anybody you want to look at anything you want to look at scan any hard drive you want to scan etc 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 this deal was in place before church militant got involved I was at one point in talks with a forensic team based out of Washington, D.C., former top-level FBI forensics guys who were prepared to do just that. In fact, they were to the point of booking their travel before Church Militant got involved. It's weird that Church Militant did, just did not want anyone to go and scan hard drives. It's, it's very strange to me That Michael Voris, who was leading a double life for years and was leading a double life even when he attacked Father Jackson and when he attacked me, still wanted to be the arbiter of all things Father Jackson. He still wanted to be the umpire of who gets to decide who's innocent and who's guilty and who's leading a double life and who's not. That's a very strange part of this whole story that I still have never figured out. Why does the guy who himself has a secret sin, a very dark and disgusting one, one of the most vile there is, why he wants to decide whether or not a simple hard drive scan can happen in the state of Colorado or in the state of insert blank here, right? So that that always bothered me and that's, that always made me think that, you know what, Father Jackson is more likely than not to be innocent considering the powers and the principalities that have lined up against him. Um, but again, I was wrong. And I was open to being wrong the whole time. I always said, look, I, I don't know him and he's either innocent or guilty. I happen to think he's probably innocent, but he may be guilty. And that's why I thought maybe I was the right person for the task. But nevertheless, he asserted his innocence uh, early on. He pled not guilty. Um, He maintained radio silence. His attorney and I spoke several times. His attorney let me know that uh, part part of the case with that particular judge was being quiet and not drawing attention to it. He didn't want cameras in the courtroom. He didn't want Father Jackson making any grandiose statements or asserting his innocence, etc. Just keep your head down uh, and we'll get through the trial and we will prove your innocence at trial. That was his legal plan. That was his strategy. He said, okay, fine. This guy was hired by the Fraternity of St. Peter um, and then he was paid by my fundraiser initially. I I suspect he was paid a heck of a lot more money down the road, but... um, but however far uh, that amount of money, like $80,000 paid to this guy, would would take him uh, is, is what it would take him. Now, my, my civil litigation, my defense costs against the menace of church militant were quite a bit more than that $80,000, and yet this criminal trial has been going on for much longer and has had probably more costlier uh, things involved with it so I imagine that they burned through that money just in the pre-trial phase before they even got to you know like the plea negotiations who knows it's a black box uh, when church militant uh, decided to get involved in this case then um, the John Cal the attorney pretty much uh, decided that yeah you know what we we better not we better not talk to you as often anymore, Mike you know you just never know, especially once they started demanding discovery from Calcogni, they were begging Cal Cogni to try to uh, turn on me i guess or or provide some evidence of fraud or or malintent or or the like so when you 're an attorney and you start receiving um, Formal requests for documents, um, subpoenas. you know, you're just like, okay, I'm, I'm just look, I don't have time for for you little gnats and your little your little Twitter war and your little defamation case. I'm trying to uh, do a real big boy case here, a criminal case. Um, and that's sort of, I think, the attitude that I got from Cal Cogni.